Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson and back with us again is our co-host Case Baggerman. How are you doing today, Case? Hey, Jarian. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, it's, uh, um, you know, almost almost the start of my vacation, so I'm uh, excited to uh, to kick off this podcast and uh, and get it done and, and move out to a, a much warmer place or a a de- more decent kind of warm. It's been um, uh, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit over here, which is uh, unequal to, uh, to 35, 38 degrees Celsius. Um, so I'm, um, I'm ready to start off this vacation. But first, um, let's introduce our guest for today. Yeah, so let's uh, welcome uh, Simon Townsend. How, how are you doing today, Simon? I am very well, gentlemen. Thank you for having me uh, on today's podcast. It's great to be here. Yeah, so a little bit about Simon. Simon was a Citrix Sales Specialist, the Chief Technologist at Absence, to CMO at, at iGel. So kind of tell us about your, your background and where your career has taken you and why you have moved to iGel. Yeah, no, sure thing. No problem at all. Um, so I think most people will probably know that I was at Absence for probably near on 15 years, and I had a number of different roles uh, as Absence grew. Um, I originally started out as a as a pre-sales technical consultant. I ran that pre-sales business at an EMEA level and globally for a while. I got involved and ran product management for a bit. And then I became ultimately what was known as a, a field-based CTO or, you know, a technologist um, uh, that was out there, predominantly in EMEA, um, obviously working with customers, working with partners, pushing and, 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 and deploy it, helping our organizations consume and deploy the AppSense technology. Um, 2016, AppSense was obviously acquired back then by what was known as Landesk, um, which rapidly became Avanti. I carried on doing a very similar job, bringing together you know, the AppSense, the Res, the traditional Landesk solutions together. Um, and then in August, uh, or probably actually more end of September in 2018, last year, uh, I decided to make the jump and come over to to iGel. Um, but you know, even going back way before that, if I sort of go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, um, I've always been involved in selling Citrix and end-user computing. Um, but my career actually started in um, telephony and networking. Um, and it's quite interesting as you look at what iGel is now up to and you look at what we've done in end user computing over the last 10, 15 years, it's very similar to how my career started back then in networking, which was, you know, we'd, we'd been used to sort of like layer two uh, switching uh, technologies. And all of a sudden people started talking about v- these things called VLANs back then, right? And how you could create virtual networks, which were a layer above the physical networks that you were actually connecting and plugging in. Um, that then very rapidly saw me move into voice telephony. Um, and again, I sort of saw the market change from the traditional PBX hardwired phone systems to then doing voice over IP and actually back then with 3Com, it was like voice over Ethernet. It was uh, very strange. But, you know, everywhere I've been, whether it's been networking, telephony, uh, end-user compute, and now at iGel, there's always been this element of um, the organization and the solution moving away from being, shall I say, hardware-focused to being 
software driven and software focused or virtualized if you like and so um yeah came over to came over to igel last october to run uh, marketing um uh, within emea um i'm report reporting directly into jed Ayers, who is the ceo of the us organization but also our global cmo and i suppose my experience gives me uh a slightly more technical slant on, on what you might think um, a, a traditional or historic CMO might be. So um, our main focus really is, is, is helping deliver events, marketing campaigns, supporting our sales teams, our channel teams, our partners and our customers with, with, with content that is hopefully relevant um, um, and uh, ultimately spreading, spreading the word about IGEL as a software organization. I think it's a, a, a brilliant angle to have, to have a more technical um, background in, into that marketing because that gives you the, uh, um, the unique insights into uh, what, what, you know, uh, basically uh, drives our market. And, and that's, you know, mostly technology, right? So we're all about end users and, and, and uh, the quality of the services that we offer. But with that, there's a lot of technology involved. So being on that, on that, edge of, of both the, the human factor and the technology factor, I, I guess that gives you a, a great opportunity to um, position the companies that you're with into, uh, into that space. Exactly. And I think, you know, we, we, the, the world at the moment, you guys know this better than anyone, but, you know, the world we live in now is, is changing so quickly. Um, in fact, you know, you could argue that we've probably seen more change in the end user computing space in the last two years than we've seen in the last 10 or 15, right? I mean, I don't know, since what, 1999, since I got involved in it. I mean, if you wanted to do VDI or terminal services as we know it, then, you know, you went to one organization and one organization only, and that organization was called Citrix. Um, and if you weren't deploying Citrix, you were typically deploying a Windows XP machine, a fat client environment. They, they, they ultimately were your two options. Um, and then you sort of, you go along the timeline and you start to think, okay, well, VMware came in what? I don't know, 2010, 2011. Um, but they took a while to, to get up to speed. But you look at the last two years and you look at the, the acquisitions that have happened, the adoption of cloud desktop as a service and what all of these vendors now together are starting to offer and the fact that they all support each other's cloud platforms and application virtualization, application masking and new ways potentially of how we might do it in the future. I mean, things have suddenly got really, really exciting and um, we're definitely seeing what was, you know, I would deploy Citrix and leave it there for five years, suddenly start to, you know, that, uh, the movement in that market is significantly quicker than it has been for some time. So it's, uh, I guess, I, I guess it's safe to say that people went from a one-stop shop to best of breed kind of technology stack um, to offer those, those services to, uh, to uh, uh, their end users. Right. Um, they, they, they did with, with, I think one caveat there, which is um, trying to keep things simple at the same time. Um, and I think actually, interestingly, we've ended up in quite a good place at the moment, which is, you know, if I go back, I don't know, let's say mid, mid 2000s, 2008, 2009, I mean, um, you sort of had to, you almost had too many layers of complexity to get that best of breed. At times you, you ended up with, 
you know, something that required perhaps more people than it needed to, to deliver the solution. Whereas I think now we've got some solutions which are a little bit simpler to operate and, and some, and at times these things just work out of the box, right? Or they don't need the additional overhead that they, that they used to. Sounds like you could be working for a company that I'm uh, very familiar with. Um, so, <laughs> you know, um, we, we've seen a lot of chatter about uh, IGEL's next-gen EdgeOS for, for cloud workspaces. What's it all about? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, of course. I think most of the listeners on this podcast, as did I, I mean, I've, I've worked with IGEL for probably 15, 16 years. I mean, I've done multiple events with them. We've done multiple installations with them over the time, you know, deploying Citrix, Nutanix, AppSense, and IGEL on the endpoint. I mean, there's numerous examples of that. So I've known the guys at IGEL for some time, and I've known them as a thin client vendor, and I'm fairly, uh, probably fairly confident that most of the vent, most of the listeners on this podcast would think IGEL thin client. Um, for fundamentally, that um, business has grown over the last, 19 20 years and has done very well well for itself and um you know we're in a when it when you look at the hardware market and you look at thin clients the business does uh does okay we've got a good market position um but what's been interesting is to try and understand why those people are buying our software um and the the answer you get back why are you buying igel it doesn't necessarily come down to, oh, because they produce the smallest, cheapest, most low power consumption thing client device. It comes down to they've got the best operating system and they've got the best management platform. Um, and so what's happened over the last three years or so is the business has ultimately shifted a tremendous, tremendous amount of its focus onto the development um, of the operating system and the management platform that goes with it. And so when we talk about a next generation OS, um, we're actually talking about an operating system that gets installed on the endpoint that is significantly easier, more secure and simple to manage than ultimately what the alternatives are, AKA some form of windows. Um, and so our belief um, along with many others at the moment is that windows perhaps is better deployed from the data center or deployed from the cloud and if you're going to use um you know citrix vmware uh, amazon microsoft wvd uh, frame or any of those other technologies now that are out there to deploy windows from the data center or from the cloud then the last thing you want to do is go and put windows on the endpoint because you're in you know you're ultimately doubling the amount of management that you do um, so this next generation edge operating system for cloud workspaces is ultimately all about getting our operating system out onto your existing uh, endpoints. Um, it's very, very easy to deploy that operating system. It can either be dual booted off a USB key or we can convert an existing endpoint, x86 endpoint, um, and provide smart, simple, secure access into you know, a hosted Windows desktop using, uh, you know, a multitude of those cloud-based technologies. So, and, and that's really where a lot of the noise and the growth has come from recently. You know, people want to 
sweat their assets, they want to extend their hardware, they want to move from one cloud workspace to another, um, they might want to deploy a smaller number of users on uh, some users on frame, they might want to move their existing Zen app estate into Citrix Cloud, um, they might want to deploy some Amazon Workspace users, for instance. All of these technology, all of those cloud delivered workspaces and technologies, they need a client that supports a connection to them. And in many cases, because they are cloud technologies being used, you know, they're they're being upgraded at a faster rate than before. You know, there's new versions of the Citrix Workspace app coming out. There's, you know, new protocols and new clients that are needed to connect into some of these new Windows delivered workspaces. Um, and, you know, we are 100% focused on producing, you know, an, op an endpoint operating system that can connect to all of those. Um, and so that's really what we mean by next-gen edge operating system. It, it is the operating system of choice. Um, that people are now deploying um, to connect into a, a hosted uh, VDI type of background. So <clears throat> I'll tell you from my early on experience, because you mentioned the operating system, you mentioned the management. Um, when I first worked with IGEL years ago, um, one of my first deployments of doing like a, a huge uh, thin client deployment was the management is what pulled me in, you know, how simple it was, how easy it was to get up and running. Um, and you touched on this a little bit about, you know, you guys are known for being active in the thin client space, but you don't consider yourself a, a thin client. And so you, you mentioned that your management um, and your operating system kind of get you past that. But can you go deeper into that and explain that some more? Yeah, sure. No problem at all. So um, if you go to our website at the moment, which currently between the three of us and, and now obviously your listeners, we're, we're currently going through a bit of a re revamp. So that's taken up a considerable amount of my time at the moment and the team's time, but we're just, we're going to launch a. You'll see a new website come out um, shortly, but if you were to come to us at the moment and you wanted a thin client, we still produce hardware. So we still manufacture very good German engineered hardware. Um, there is, you know, everything from a very, very small form factor, something called a UD2, um, uh, all the way up to something called a UD7, which has got, you know, uh, additional uh, graphics capabilities, additional RAM, etc. So if you want a traditional thin client, you can still come and buy hardware from us. It's not a problem. But to your point and, and to what I was saying is the real secret sauce, if you like, is the operating system and the management that goes on top of that hardware or and most importantly, on top of any other type of hardware. So at the start of this year, we actually separated out how you buy the hardware versus how you buy the operating system. So first and foremost, when people come to us now, they're actually buying a licensed copy of the, of the OS. If you've got a thousand users, you're gonna buy a thousand copies of the iGel operating system. And that means you can deploy that operating system to um, uh, a thousand iGel chassis or a thousand, I don't know, Lenovo laptops or whatever it might be. Um, and what we do is we can convert whatever's underlying on, on those endpoints to the iGel OS. So we support things like Secure Boot and you, what you're booting up is a 64-bit Linux-based operating system. So it's a 64-bit Ubuntu 
variation, which we then uh, put our secret ingredients on top of all of the uh, clients and the protocol support and all of the other technical integrations which I'll cover off in a second into that operating system and that ultimately then means that you've got this um, operating system sat on your device it's read-only so it's extremely secure um, it's got over 80 um, agents and technical integrations with it so it's got you know it's got control up agent built into it it's got a login vsi it's got a lakeside it's got a liquidware agent built into it it's got the um uh, clients to connect to all of those different cloud workspaces if you're using improvata again that's built in if you plug in sennheiser headsets jabra headsets all of all of that stuff is built into that operating system so out of the box it it, it just works as it should do and delivers a great great user experience um, and then when you buy that operating system, when you buy that software, then you get the management platform with that as well. So there's no additional cost for the management platform. And what that ultimately means is, you know, where instead of, you know, one person managing 300 desktops um, and 300 endpoints, you could now have one person managing 30,000 endpoints. Um, you know, the way in which you manage your endpoints, how they're updated, how their configurations are changed, how you manage your endpoint state, significantly simplified. Um, and so lots of organizations come to us now and they say, look, you know, we want to do two things. We want to reduce the amount we're spending on endpoints and we don't want to have to rip out all of our existing endpoints and replace them just because we want to go from Zenapp 6.5 to the latest version of Citrix Cloud as an example and we want to significantly reduce how much we're spending on operational cost managing our endpoints you know we we believe IT should be spending their time doing far better things than managing and patching you know 30,000 devices every other Tuesday or whatever whatever they do so that's why people are coming to us right now because they want to to, to save money on the endpoint and and save money in terms of management um, and the biggest thing that we see actually at the moment is those organizations that are already 100% thin so they've already got a thin client on their desktops but their thin client is now two three four years out of date and the software on that endpoint is not able to connect to the latest version of cloud workspace so i've got you know customer a's got 2000 uh delphin clients that uh will quite happily connect to zen app 65 but they won't have the latest version of the workspace app so the customer can't move to citrix cloud um You've got other people who might have some old HP thing clients out there and all of a sudden they want to evaluate AWS or uh, Frame as an example. Because they don't have the client built into them, they're going to have to rip and replace all that hardware. So with our solution, it really does come down to, okay, well, how much is it going to cost you to rip and replace all of your hardware versus can we sell you an operating system that will convert your existing thing client, convert your existing hardware into something that is simple secure and capable of connecting to these these new environments so would you, would you say then that igel has basically transformed from in the past from being primarily a thin client company to now being a, a software company 
100%. Yeah, 100%. In fact, you know, my boss would have told me to say that instead of you saying it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it, that's, I mean, if you take a look, um, ah, don't, don't quote me too much on the numbers, but, you know, um, iGel, historically German-based company, there are two offices. One office is in northern Germany where the manufacturing gets done and in a place called Bremen. And then we have another uh, development office in Augsburg just outside of Munich. Um, the amount of developers uh, that we've got probably is twice, if not three times as many uh, people that we've got working in manufacturing as, in, as an example. You know, um, we're still, you know, whilst we're an international company, um, and growing rapidly, there's still only at the moment about 300 odd employees. Um, and I would say about a third of those are focused on the development, the R&D and the support of that operating system. Um, and so I think that in itself speaks to uh, speaks to that point you made there as well. Sounds like a sounds like a very familiar story from uh, from the beginnings of Nutanix from when I joined, where we had a lot of focus on the engineering, make a good product, and and work the the marketing out from from that point. But to have a foundational great product that you can actually you know sell right from the right from the bat. Now you you talked a little bit about the the past and how you got to where you are right now. What do you foresee in the in the near future? And I understand that you know. Giving a long-term roadmap might be a little bit too challenging with the uh, with um, uh, the changing details every well every basically every day. Um, but what do you where, where do you see the future of IGEL going? Where do I see the future of IGEL going? Well, I think that's um, it's very interesting. I think there's a I think there's a bit of a perfect storm happening at the moment, um, which is you know I've I learned a long time ago that you can't do uh, very rarely can is there a silver bullet out there right there's never a a technology or a vendor that just does everything um, um, and, and, can, and can solve all all customers and all of the problems um, and, and, and I know you guys probably feel like this as well but you know one of the things that we have been doing and we can we continue to focus on is how we work with other ecosystem and alliance vendors in this space. So, you know, when we're creating our operating system, I sort of mentioned, mentioned about some of those other technical integrations that we've got. The fact that, you know, you've got your liquidware agent sat in the operating system. And if you wanted to start monitoring everything from the thin client all the way through to the VDI, you just click a box and all of a sudden, the lakeside, the liquidware, the control up agent and, and, and integration starts to happen. Um, that's been a real focus area of ours. And I think it ultimately is what's making a, some of the difference from an IGL point of view at the moment. And as I look forward to, okay, well, what else can we do? Um, that starts to answer some of those questions. And it comes back to the fact that, you know, people are moving their desktops to the cloud whether that be, you know, on-prem in the public cloud or a bit of a hybrid, but ultimately the platforms are evolving and updating at a, a much faster rate. So, you know, what I see for iGel is an organization that is 100% focused on end-user computing and let's just call it 
the VDI desktop as a service space at the moment. Um, and we are going to be focused on making sure that regardless of what platform you choose to connect to, and regardless of what device devices and endpoints you've got, we want to try and make ensure that iGel is the, the the enabler that sits in between those things. So making sure that we keep up to date with the latest and greatest version of Citrix and VMware, sure. But you know, only a couple of months ago we released the Teradici client so we can connect into Amazon workspaces. So we'll sun we'll see growth in that area. You've then got um, you know, Microsoft WVD is is just around the corner um, and promises to shake things up a little bit more. But, um, you know, we are actively um, working on how we will support that uh, moving forward as well. Um, and then obviously extending things out to things like Frame and, and any other um, uh, technologies that, that may well come out. So I think, you know, future is... Um, building a ecosystem. Um, I just finished a piece of research where we interviewed about 400 customers globally and, and sort of interviewed them all and said, well, okay, well, why did you buy iGel? What was the reason for it? And some of them said, well, it gives us a secure operating system on the endpoint. Some of them said it's because of the management capabilities and it was really simple and it was really scalable and we saved a load of money. But a lot of them came back and said, it's the ecosystem integration that you've got. It's the fact that I know that when I deploy a technology um, either today or in the future, because you're an organization that is focused just on delivering this simple, secure, next-gen edge operating system, then it's going to work out of the box. It's going to be compatible. So it's um, making sure that things work out of the box and, and, and future-proofing things. Um, but I still see, I mean, there's a whole host of, people out there that are still on windows uh, windows 7 um sadly um i've just come back from the us where i've done the quarterly business review with the us team 90 plus percent of all the opportunities and uh customers that we are winning are coming from people who are trying to overcome the windows 10 problem um and I think people are now starting to realize that, you know, it's not just a case of how do I get from Windows 7 to Windows 10, but wow, I'm going to have to change my business model. I'm going to have to change how IT operates to actually manage Windows 10 on the endpoint. And, you know, from my point of view, I see VDI desktop as a service simplifying how people deploy and manage uh, Windows 10. So, you know, I mean, for a long time, all three of us have worked in this VDI space for a while, right? And we all know that it makes up what 10, 12, 15% of the overall desktop market. But I, I believe that that market is actually going to grow. Um, I believe that, you know, Microsoft um, and all the other players are going to make it easier for people to consume virtual desktops in the future. I think the cost of them is going to come down. I think the complexity is going to come down. Um, and, you know, we released a, an IDC report only a month ago um, where IDC for the first time in 2018 actually saw more Linux-based endpoints connecting into VDI and desktop as a service than they did Windows clients. So I think, you know, this market has matured now to a point where 
people are starting to see the benefits of deploying Linux on the endpoint. I mean, it's arguably it's already one in the data center. It's already one in IoT. There's there's no reason if you're deploying VDI desktop as a service why Linux shouldn't be out there on your endpoints because I think it provides uh, a, a great user experience and is significantly easier to secure and manage from an IT point of view. So you, you kind of mentioned into the ecosystem and the, with the change in EUC landscape, you know, you mentioned desktop as a service, uh, workspaces, you know, cloud-based uh, basically delivery of those, you know, things like, you know, uh, AWS, uh, Frame, even Citrix, you know, has got the managed desktop with DAS now, um, mm-hmm. WVD. Um, so you touched on that a little bit. So what are your thoughts around that? And, you know, especially... With, with iGel about those future-based desktops that everyone's changing, come so, with the form factor too. Yeah, um, I don't know whether you guys would would agree with me on this, but if you, you know, if you roll the clock back and you say, "Hey, um, there's this thing called Office 365," and what's going to happen is is you're going to move your Exchange servers into the cloud and Microsoft's going to look after them and you're just going to pay a subscription and everyone's going to get access to office and access to email by using office 365. If we roll the clock back far enough, we'll get to a point where all three of us would have been sat here going, yeah, seems like a good idea and maybe it'll work for some large enterprises. um, But can you really see certain regions and certain customers doing that? And it will take time to, 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 to gain traction, et cetera. I mean, ultimately what happened was, is, you know, Office 365 sort of like potted along for a bit. And then all of a sudden there was this hockey stick moment where, you know, you turned around a year later and who wasn't on Office 365? I mean, that's how it, that's how it feels to me. Um, and I think if you look at some of the Microsoft numbers and some of the analyst numbers, you can see that there was this massive growth in adoption all of a sudden. And the number one reason for that was, was actually licensing cost. It, it suddenly became more cost effective for an organization to say, yeah, I will shut down my exchange servers and I will move to office 365 because it's now, it's now got to a price point that it makes perfect sense to do that. And I think we're going to probably see the same, not immediately, but over time I can see us seeing the same thing with, with um, how we deploy our virtual desktops. Um, you know, lots of people are getting quite excited at the moment about Windows Virtual Desktop. And then people ask about, okay, well, what will happen to all the other vendors that are in this space? We've been around long enough to know that, you know, there's going to be a maturity curve that has to take place with that technology. And my belief at the moment is you'll continue to see um, people like Citrix, VMware, um, even those we've not mentioned, Cloud Jumper, WorkSpot, for instance, you'll have people that sit their technologies on top of Windows Virtual Desktop. Some will go native WVD and some will just use WVD as as a platform, if you like, but still have management capabilities on top. Um, But I think what we'll see is is just we'll get to a point where someone will sit in front of a spreadsheet and they'll do the maths and they'll suddenly work out that, yep, we're at a point where moving to desktop as a service is now more cost effective. Um, as I say, I don't think that's going to happen in 2019. I, I don't think it's going to happen in 2020, to be honest. But um, 
I think if you compare how people deploy virtual desktops now to how they might do today, you could look at how Office 365 adoption took place over the last, uh, let's say the last five years and make some similarities. I don't know whether you guys would, would agree with that or not. Yeah, I, de I definitely see uh, see a similar trend going on um, in in terms of you know, realizing that sometimes uh, you know shift, shifting gears towards a uh, um, a cloud based desktop or DAS or whatever you want to whatever form factor you want to pick uh, might might be a smart solution. Um, obviously, it kind of depends on the organization, uh, the number of apps, what kind of apps, uh, you know latency comes into play. So there's a lot of nuances there. So uh, it was interesting you, you bring up um, uh, Windows Virtual Desktop because, you know, there's a lot of chat around Windows Virtual Desktop and Windows 10 and multi-user. Uh, you already touched upon Windows 10 a little bit. Um, so, you know, can you uh, give us your thoughts about, you know, those changing landscapes around Windows 10? Um, you, you mentioned that uh, you've got a very secure uh, um, solution for uh, for Linux. Um, what are your thoughts about Linux versus Windows, and what are your thoughts about Windows 10 multi-user? Yeah, so I think um, it's, it's interesting, actually. So was it not last week, the week before, it was Microsoft Inspire. Um, and so iGel was over in Las Vegas, and again, um, Scott Manchester delivered and and his and the team delivered a a Windows virtual desktop uh session which by the way you can you can watch that um uh, on on the on the Microsoft site and um I think he summarizes he summarizes it quite well when he when he talks about Windows 10 multi-user Windows virtual desktop you know because uh, I've seen this myself particularly in large enterprises when I was selling Back in the day, I was selling AppSense and Citrix. Um, you know, historically, you've had this option, which is, okay, well, let's deploy Windows on the desktop um, or let's deploy terminal services. And that was okay, but the challenge was always, well, terminal services is a server-based OS. Now we don't know whether the apps are going to work. And if, you know, if something goes wrong and the application's working on the desktop, then all the, all the fingers start to point to Citrix because it's running on a server OS. So then people came along and said, okay, well, what happens if we do VDI then? Because VDI almost removes that challenge of uh, it running on a server-based OS. And so now it becomes significantly easier. You say, right, I've got some people that are using traditional fat client, some people that are using VDI. If the application doesn't work or the AV doesn't work or we want to manage those two environments, at least we can, it, it would be the same, right? It's Windows 10 running virtually or Windows 10 running fat. The problem then was, is you didn't have the cost benefit of going down the terminal services route, right? Everybody needed their own VM, everybody, you know, we get into a whole discussion about non-persistent versus persistent, but you know, you and I and everybody that's probably listening completely understands what those benefits of doing terminal services were versus the benefits of doing VDI as an example, right? Um, and I think what Windows 10 multi-session gives you is the best of both worlds. It gives us the ability to scale and have the economies of scale that terminal services have given us, but it gives us the uh, management, security, 
app compatibility, user experience, capabilities, whatever you want to call it, benefits of, of, of running a, a Windows 10 desktop. So I think that is going to be, I think that is going to be of interest um, uh, to people. Um, but again, I, I can't help but feel that, you know, all of this is going to take some time. Um, and, you know, at the moment, you know, people have got businesses to run. They've got applications to deliver, data to deliver. You know, a lot of the organizations I go into as well, I mean, you know, they want dual monitor support. They want fingerprint uh, readers or card readers. They want um, to be able to have USB redirection. They want sound. We've got quite a lot of organizations in the Nordics that want to do uh, have VR capabilities. Therefore, they want the enhanced graphics capabilities, etc. All of these things still lend themselves to a more mature um, technology, shall we say? Perhaps one of those that has been around a little bit longer than than, than one of the newer ones coming. So I think there'll be, I think there'll be an element of um, uh, of time as as it, when it comes to adoption. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So, you know, we've talked about some of the cloud workspaces, Windows versus Linux, you know, software uh, with IGEL's next-gen OS and transforming it into more of a software company. Um, but let's talk about security, uh, especially security on the edge. Mm. Um, and, and how does IGEL help with that um, and some of the things that you guys have in your stack around that? Yeah, sure. No problem at all. I think... Um... I mean, the one caveat I will say here is, and, and I try and say this internally as well, right? Um, I think it's very dangerous um, for us to say that the iGel operating system is more secure than a Windows-based operating system. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure that's the right thing that anybody should be saying. Um, and, you know, moving to an iGel operating system isn't a direct replacement for a Windows device, right? A Windows device, Windows laptop is obviously offline. It doesn't need VDI or desktop as a service really to, to, to perform. So, you know, the, the discussion really is a slightly bigger one, which is, look, endpoint security is still of concern in the market. And... You know, there are still too many examples of people that are susceptible to phishing attacks and ransomware. I mean, you've only got to look in the last couple of weeks. I think there was a Norwegian manufacturing organization. 22,000 machines went down. I think if you go and have a look at what's happened in Florida at the moment, there are numerous council or city departments in Florida who have they've actually had to pay the ransom to get their data back. And people have lost people in IT have lost their jobs over it. Um, you know, they're spending hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds trying to get away from ransomware. So I think the point being is, is that when Windows is on the endpoint, it needs to be updated. It needs to be patched. Um, lots of organizations are trying to streamline their patching, um, you know, but ultimately it's a tough, it's a tough job to do. And there are vulnerabilities out there on the, on the endpoint. And so the conversation is not necessarily about, okay, well, can iGel make you more secure? It's actually, can moving to VDI or desktop as a service allow you to become more secure? And then as part of that conversation, the question is, okay, what happens when you add iGel as an ingredient into that 
project or that solution to make the endpoint more more secure does that make does that make sense i think there's a that there's a there's a case here that you, you know we shouldn't be saying oh igel on the endpoint is more secure than windows on the endpoint it's a, it's look windows and endpoint security is a challenge and a top priority for lots of organizations can vdi and desktop as a service help with that in my opinion it can if you want to patch your virtual desktops it's a downside easier to do that from within the data center than it is trying to contact all the endpoints. If you need to update any of your applications, you need to do a rollback, you need to roll forward, whatever it needs. Windows is easier to manage from the data center, easier to secure, easier to manage. Everything's in the data center. You've got firewalls, you've got uh, intrusion detection systems. Everything is all kept up to date. So then the question comes, okay, well, what do you put as the endpoint of choice to connect into that VDI environment then we get into a conversation of okay well let's take a look at a, 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 an igel os which is a linux flavor and then we get down into the detail which is okay fine do you support secure boot and uefi yes we do do you um have a chain of command from the moment that you power the machine on um, can the chipset talk to the operating system is the operating system encrypted is the operating system read only can you have um, certain partitions within that operating systems to install other applications that not allow them to interfere with the underlying OS? The answer to all of those is yes, 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 and yes. Um, I mean, we even go as far as working with people like Cherry Keyboards, which means that the keyboard strokes that you're typing are encrypted between the keyboard and the IGEL operating system before then you've got obviously a, a secure channel uh, you know, like an ICA channel, which is then passing those keystrokes back up to the server or the, or the virtual machine. So um, there's a whole host. There's, there's actually a, a recently released three-page document on how do we make the IGEL operating system secure, right? How What are we doing with the US government? What are we doing with uh, certain agencies and compliance, for instance, to make sure that we've got the right levels of accreditation to make sure our operating system is nice and secure? But I think the conversation before we get there starts with, let's talk about how moving to a VDI desktop as a service can help resolve some of the challenges you've got around keeping the endpoint secure. And then let's bring IGEL into that conversation. I think that's a, that's a sensible thing to do and then a sensible thing to say as well. Uh, I like that approach. I, um, I, um, you know, like you said before, there's no silver bullet. So there's no one thing you can do to make yourself secure. There's a, always a set of procedures to follow, a set of um, um, items to fix before you can, can, well, I wouldn't say assume you're secure because you're never secure, but you'll have, again, a, uh, a foundation to start with, and, and then build out your security. Um, and I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't even aware of that, um, the keyboard um, function that you have. So that's a pretty nifty feature that, uh, that that's built into uh, into your solution. Now, on a personal note, away from your uh, your day job and and uh, desktop virtualization or generic virtualization, um, what market or technology are you uh, are you keenly watching now? What what excites you about it? Um, well, at the moment, um, at the moment, uh, I am quite interested in, um, 
not necessarily photography, but just, I mean, I've got three kids at home and, and I quite like looking at where sort of like the consumer video market is going, if that makes sense. So I keep a very close eye on things like GoPro and DJI, for instance. So um, I've gone out and invested in various different gimbals and handheld cameras, etc. Um, mainly because I can use them. I can use them for personal life. I can use them for work. Um, you know, you can produce some fairly good 4K footage. Or you can then edit that. Um, and I think, you know, it, it sort of affects me. It, it allows me to keep memories from my personal life. Um, but interestingly, it also allows you to dabble in how you can present a story or deliver a message in a new way from a marketing point of view as well. Right. And you don't need to take that word marketing literally, but you know, all of us, you know, if you, if you look at we've all written blog posts in the past. We've all sort of sat in front of a machine and done screen recordings and taken through demos. I think there's quite a lot more you can do, um, you know, in the, in the regards of sort of like vlogging and, and, and sharing content in, in that way. So that, that thing, um, as uninteresting as I think I've just made it sound, um, is, is what is what's taking my time and my money when I'm not spending it at work or, or with the kids at the moment. I, um, I've got one of these DJI pockets at the moment. And uh, this, I don't know whether you've seen it, it's called a DJI Osmo pocket. And it's about the size of the size of your hand and you can take it everywhere. It's got a gimbal. It produces amazing footage. It costs about 300 bucks. Um, and I just, I, t I take it everywhere. I take it everywhere with me. And then it's very, it's become significantly easier to produce, um, you know, short videos with, you know, backing music on them and all that sort of stuff. So I like, I like that. I like things like that. I, I, I do keep, I do keep an eye on that. Um, and then the other thing as well is, you know, from a work point of view is, you know, applications, applications. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do in this in this market about solving application management, application deployment. I mean, I go into one organization and they tell me that they're moving everything to the G Suite and everything needs to deliver via a, a web browser and that's it. And you know, we've we've just closed a, an opportunity where we've literally sold the IGEL operating system to two and a half thousand uh, a customer with two and a half thousand seats. And they boot up the IGEL operating system and they use the inbuilt web browser. That's it. That's all it does. It's, it's as simple and as secure and as locked down as that. All the user can do is go into web browser and they open up as many tabs as they want and they consume all their services via SaaS or via uh, on-prem web apps. And then I go into another organization and they turn around to me and say, we're never going to be able to move away from Windows because we've got so many applications, hundreds and hundreds of applications that we're just never going to be able to convert them into a web platform. They're too integrated within our business. They're too involved with each other. Um, and, and so you're back in the conversation of, right, well, what are you going to do? You're going to package them up. You're going to stream them. You're going to advert them. And, and that just is, is so time consuming and takes, <laughs> it takes so much time from it to do that. But I mean, I'm not moaning because it continues to drive VDI and Windows 10 in the data center and all the rest of it. But it, it does amaze me. I mean, there's something to be said 
if we were starting a company now, there's definitely something to be said being a digitally first organization, right? I mean, if you spin up an organization now and you want a CRM app, you're probably going to go to Salesforce. If you need uh, a support application, you're going to get a service now, et cetera. You know, if you need email, you're going to go Office 365 or G Suite. It's so much easier for new generation organizations than it is for larger businesses that have been around for some time. It's, um, it's an ongoing challenge and it, it's something I keep a very, very close eye on. It's, it's the dark tales of legacy apps. And I, I guess we'll never, we'll never solve that, that problem. Um, and, and, and to, to your point when, and even when you spin up a company and, and you go look for, for SaaS based apps that are uh, delivered via, via browser, one browser isn't the other one app isn't the other. Um, you know, so they've got different requirements. Some might work in Chrome and, and Firefox. Some might only work in, uh, in IE or edge. Um, yeah. so, you know, even, even that, so, uh, creates a problem of its own. That's right. That's right. And yeah. We will never be able to solve that problem. That makes um, at least my life a lot interesting or a lot more interesting than, uh, um, than otherwise because you, you have that complexity and that challenge of talking to customers and seeing what they're doing and, and try to help them steer one way or the other. But there's like, again, like you said, there's no silver bullet there. No, that's right. Yeah, I would agree to that as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that progresses going forward and the whole legacy Windows-based apps versus SaaS-based apps, you know, there's probably going to be like a, a balance between and not always one versus the other. Um, but anyways, uh, thank you for having us on, or thank you for coming on today, Simon. Uh, really enjoyed ha having you on. Um, thanks, Case. And it's good to have you back and do another one with you. Um, to our listeners, thank you again for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much, Jorane. I really appreciate you two guys' time. Um, one last plug, if I may. I know um, you're trying to wrap this up. Uh, www.disrupteuc.com. Um, loads of well-known people from the community and about 600 people came last year. We're in the process of organizing our event in Munich in February and Nashville in February of next year. Um, anyone that's involved in EUC, including yourselves and the two of you, um, you're more than welcome to attend. So um, check out disrupteuc.com for what is an end-user computing event to be remembered. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. So remember to check that out. <laughs> we'll put that in the, in the blog post too as well. Also info to the Slack community that can be joined that you guys have. So yes, we'll indeed. Yeah. that'll be on the website for our listeners to go back and see that. So thank you again, and we'll talk to everyone next time. Thanks, guys.